Thank you again for being here. We have been in, um, for the last several weeks, we have been in a series uh, speaking much about grace, um, and we're uh, stepping in this morning to our Christmas series called Christmas by Design. Over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at some specific things um, in the Christmas story, and um, and and there will some of them will be unbelievable. I mean, I mean, impossible from any measure of what we could accomplish. Um, but we're going to see some things that God really wrote into His story by design that tell us a lot about our relationship with Him, um, how He consistently acts, and and how He um, loves us, and how we can respond in a loving way towards Him. So I'm excited about these next few weeks. While we're doing this on Sunday morning, on Sunday afternoons, which is one of um, a few different um, opportunities for student ministry. If you have students that are in middle school or high school, um, there's um, middle school only at nine. There's high school only on Wednesday night, but on Sunday afternoon, uh, we bring all the students in, and um, just it's a great time spending time and investing in their lives. And they are doing a series um, that's walking not parallel to what we're doing, but kind of really has the same heart. Um, they're being challenged each week to kind of consider what they see in the Christmas story and and respond to that and see how God would call that out of their lives. So um, each week you're going to get a, a little bit of a, um, a peek into what they've talked about, and I have seen um, the preview. I've seen the video that you're getting ready to see, and I, I could not be happier that you're getting ready to watch this this morning. Just check out this video. I'm Mia. And I'm Logan. We're sophomores at Northern Guilford High School and students here at Reedyport Community Church. This Christmas season in student ministry, we begin a new series called Merry Christmas to Me, which highlights each person in the Christmas story and what they gave up as part of the birth of Jesus. The first people we talked about this past Sunday were Mary and Joseph. The Lord chose Mary and Joseph to bring Jesus into the world. Mary, I am an angel. You will be having the Lord's child. <laughs> I am the Lord's servant. Let it be done. That's some good acting, Mia. Thanks. After Mary from Joseph, we see that God had to send an angel to tell Joseph that Mary was indeed pregnant with the Messiah. Hi, I'm Joseph, and I don't know if Mary's telling the truth. I mean, can I even do this raising the Messiah thing? What are you doing? It's my beard, man. Well, I am an angel, and you can do this, okay? I'm just telling you. And also, Mary is not lying to you. Wow, Logan, it looks like you've been taking acting lessons. Anyways, at different points in time, Mary and Joseph had an opportunity to give up their comforts for the Lord. Think about what they had to go through in their obedience to the Lord. Oh, this donkey is so uncomfortable. The ground is so uncomfortable. Oh. Pregnancy is so difficult and uncomfortable. Mary and Joseph had to deny themselves of their own comforts in order to experience the joy that God had planned for them. So on this Christmas, Mary and Joseph gave up their comfort. Let's think about what comforts we can give this season to experience the joy of the Lord. Merry Christmas, y'all. Yeah. So thank you, uh, me and Logan are actually in the service with us this morning, so ladies, thank you so much. I didn't realize that half the angels were British, I didn't know that until Logan <laughs> educated us on that, um, yeah, and just pray for our students, last week they talked about how they can give up their comforts 
uh, to be used by the Lord and how God would call him into that. And then this week, uh, they're, they're rolling in for a new challenge um, this afternoon. So we're excited about what God's doing in their lives. Um, we are going to be in uh, primarily really through this series, uh, the first two chapters of the Gospel of Luke. Uh, we this year spent um, spent many weeks walking through Acts. Luke is the author of Acts. That's who God used and inspired to write that book. Um, would would love and if I know we've spent a lot of time in Acts, um, but if you are looking for something, two books to kind of link together and pair together and read as a continuation, uh, would would encourage you to read the Gospel of Luke and then roll straight into the book of Acts and and just kind of be refreshed in the new year about all God did um, and just shows us through that early church, um, really they're written to be read like that. Uh, we're going to start in chapter 1, and, and we're going to see a little bit of the heart behind why God really called Luke to write this, and this is really, I believe, going to set the table for us for the next several weeks, and, and within this chapter, we're also going to look at two things that were not, um, not just highly improbable, um, unless God really drew it in and wrote it in as part of his story, there's a couple things that we see that would have never, ever, ever happened um, and how we can really um, see how God's going to use this in our lives. So uh, we're going to start in um, the ver verse 1 of chapter 1 and hear what's on Luke's heart, what God's doing in his life of why he wrote this particular gospel. It starts out this way. Many have undertaken to compile a narrative about the events that have been fulfilled among us just as the original eyewitnesses and servants of the word handed them down to us. So it also seemed good to me, since I have carefully investigated everything from the very first to write to you in an orderly sequence. Now, when he says orderly sequence there, um, if, you, if, you ever, if you ever take Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there is a timeline that you can order the events of Christ on this planet. Now, that doesn't mean, though, that each one of those Gospels are going to be written chronologically. And sometimes we, we look at that and we may go, okay, some, something doesn't exactly match up here. It went from this to this. Well, what, what you're hearing here is a very um, a, a really well-worded description of what Luke's heart was to write an orderly sequence. Um, now, that order, in many cases, does follow chronological time. But it also follows theological purposes. There's certain divisions, even as God inspired him to write this, that you can get a deeper understanding of Jesus. And sometimes that doesn't come just from an order of time. Sometimes it comes from seeing two, two events side by side that didn't necessarily happen side by side. So as, as Luke's writing this, he's, he's telling his audience, this is, this is really what's been on my heart as I, as I write this. And, and he addresses one person in particular in this, most honorable Theophilus. Now, it's interesting because this most likely, and I would even say most certainly, is a specific person. Now, he uses the word most honorable. A lot of people look at that and feel like, hey, this could give indication that this is probably um, someone that has a pretty high up job in Roman government, Roman military, something like that. And, and that probably is the case. But when you look at just the name itself, it means God's friend. And, and I believe that this in many ways, is an invitation in us because you look at this gospel and go, okay, you know what, well, this is written to one person. Like, should we be should we? It's like reading someone's diary. Like, well, should we be reading this? Yeah, because it, representatively, we're 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 offered an invitation into this. Now, he says most honorable. You may say, well, that, you know, kind of sounds like flattery. Maybe that's a little bit about his job. Well, there's a couple of other times that 
Luke records someone's name with the phrase most honorable. And it typically, in both of the other times, it, he's referring to someone who is um, really kind of in, in, in the balance. They're, they're hearing the truth of God's word and they're, they're seeing validation of it, but they're also struggling to believe at the same time. And, and it very well may be that this is some insight to who this audience member is. So as, as, we, as we dive into Luke 1 and 2, the invitation is to someone that God would want to pursue, but doesn't have to get it all at that moment. So if, if you struggle just with your, like your belief in Jesus, if you, if, you, if you look at God and kind of see the magnitude of him and go, I don't know how I can wrap my brain around you. I don't even know, God, how to really explain and, and trust in some of the circumstances of my life. When the, beauties, when the beauties is, you don't have to walk into Christmas and Luke 1 and 2 with all that resolved to be part of this conversation. It says, verse 4, so that, now, now we, we've heard the audience, and now here's the purpose. So that you may know the certainty of things about which you have been instructed. So basically he's saying this, listen, what, what, what I'm writing in the order I'm writing, and I'm trying, to, I'm trying to share God's heart with you so that you can know the certainty. Now, he doesn't say, he doesn't say, I want you to have certainty. He says, I want you to know the certainty. Now, this word is only used two other times in the New Testament. One of them is, is also by Luke. When it's used in Acts 5, he's talking about a prison door that was locked, but an angel let Paul out. And, and the response of the Roman guards were, hey, it was same Greek word, it was securely locked. So there's certainty, there's security, and, and the last time it's used in the, old, in, in the New Testament, it's used with the word peacefully. So when, when Luke is writing here, and, and to his audience, to us, really I believe what God's heart is, is for us to, to discover truth that is certain, secure, and gives peace. You may go, that's, that's a lot, because there's a lot of facts out there that don't do all three of those things. And, 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 and my prayer for you and for myself, for my family and yours, is this Christmas, as we're in these passages, that the truth of God's word is, is all three of those things. It's certain, it's sure, it's unchangeable, it's secure, it, it's, it's, it's safe. But it's also really what delivers peace into our lives. Um, I, I've heard uh, truth explained um, this way by a pastor, and I think it's a really good, just really a tangible application and, and kind of a tangible example used. He, he describes truth as a comparison between a cloud and a mountain. And he said, if we see truth as a cloud, something that can kind of float in, it can be there for a while, but it also can be disrupted, it can fade away, it can be blown away and another one roll in. He said, if we see truth that way, we'll never in our life really experience fully Certainty, security, and peace. He said, but if we see truth as a mountain, permanent and unmovable, always present, he said, that's, that's how we can, we can really walk in all three of those things in our relationship with the Lord, in our relationship with others. So that's what we're after. We're, we're after. we're after mountain kind of truth in this passage. Now, all through this story, um, and if you really even trace the rest of the Gospel of Luke, um, this is very... This is very God-centered from the perspective of Luke is very clear that as he writes to Theophilus, as we read it, as he ultimately is, is writing to us, because that's what, the, the, what God was up to through inspiring him to write this, um, it, 
it, this is very God-centered. The, the assumption here in Luke is, this is what God's up to. Now, if you've ever, if you've ever had a tough time, maybe, maybe with your own self or with somebody you know, going, hey, you know, I, here, here's the Word of God, here's the Bible, and, and read this, and you can go from, from just totally not believing God to believing God. And if you've ever seen a struggle in that process and thought, I, maybe, maybe I just don't get it, make sure, make sure you keep this in your mind. The entire Bible is written with the assumption that God does exist. Okay? So when, when, we're, talking about, when we're talking about debating this idea of whether God exists or not, um, the truth of Scripture starts from assuming that he does. So there are ways to approach that with just empirical evidence, physical evidence that exists on this earth. But, but when we really get into the truth of God's word, this, this is truth, this is, this is something God speaks in us starting from that point, okay? So while we're in here in Luke, that's, that's really kind of the ground that Luke wants to make sure that we're walking in. Now, verse 5 is going to start to introduce the first of a couple of uh, pregnancies in this passage that are, that are absolutely unbelievable. Um, verse 5 begins this way. In, in the days of King Herod of Judea, you'll, you'll see Luke multiple times, especially in the first three chapters, use specific names in specific places. So is, is he detail-oriented? Yeah, he is. And, and even still today, we can trace back and know the places and the people that he lists out in his, in his gospel because that's part of the certainty. That's part of the absolute. Yes, these events happen because they're going to sound so unbelievable. The days of King Herod of Judea, there was a priest of Abijah, division named Zechariah. His wife was from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. Both were righteous in God's sight, living without blame according to all the commands and the requirements of the Lord. Now, when I read that, they were righteous in God's sight, living without blame according to all the commands. We're getting ready to talk about this couple, then we're also getting ready to talk about Mary for a little bit and how the Lord saw her. Um, now, when the Bible refers to someone as blameless, I want to set up healthy expectations here, um, this this is, not, um, this is not a tag that gets put on, put on people because they're actually perfect. Okay? Is there, are we, are we, all, we, we all understand. There is one person who's lived on this planet without sin through his entire life, and that was Jesus. So when it says blameless here, it doesn't set the, set the bar of, hey, you know, to be used by God, you've got to be absolutely perfect. Now, I don't think we should be the farthest thing from that that we could possibly be. But we don't have to be absolutely perfect. So when it says blameless, when it talks about righteous, what it's saying is, is okay, what are, what are the ways of your life? What, what are the standards? What are the, what are the predictable and trends of your life to where at, when someone looks at your body of work that is called living, there aren't these absolute things that really just say, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm choosing to live against the Lord's will. I, I'm, I have a part of my character that's just consistently flawed and sinful, that that, that, that shows more of who I am and where my heart is. It's not that they were perfect, but their, the, the ways of their life were really aimed at living for the Lord. And, and so when you hear these kind of descriptions of the Bible, please don't think that these are the kind of descriptions that are just like, yeah, they wrote, they wrote those about two people out of billions. That's never going to be the way God sees me. No, no in fact, it can. It, it, it very really can be. It says that both are righteous in God's sight, living without blame according to all of God's commands and requirements of the Lord. But they had no children because Elizabeth could not conceive. Both of them were well along in years. 
when his division, that's Zechariah, he was a priest, when his division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, it happened that he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to enter into the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. Now, he's getting ready to see an angel, but I want to make sure that you understand that how, how unique it is that he's even in this room, okay? So there are about, at this point in time, there's about 18,000 priests in the nation of Israel. They would only go and serve where he is for about two weeks of the year. And the group that would go was so large that, that by lot, drawing straws, if you, if you will, kind of in our own language, um, this is really a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. You could serve as a priest for your entire adulthood, and, and to be in this room, to burn incense representative of the people of God, that's, that's probably going to happen one time for you. Like, and it may not happen that one time. So he's, this is a once-in-a-lifetime moment kind of environment that he's walking into. And then consider what happens now. At the hour of incense, the whole assembly of the people um, was praying outside. An angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was terrified and overcome with fear. <laughs> you know, that's the normal response when people see angels. We're getting ready to have a kid's play next week, and, and our angels are way too cute to be biblical angels. They're small, they smile, they have dimples, they look adorable. In the Bible, have you ever noticed, like, when, I mean, when it's, they saw an angel, the, I mean, it is absolute fear. So maybe next year, uh, we're going to get some Royce Barham kind of angels in here. We're just going to, like... We're going to go sleeveless shirts with like just like leather straps and just, I mean, we're going, we're going, to, get, we're going to get biblically accurate. I don't know how this is going to go over, but we may just give it a shot next year, okay? Um, so there, there is absolute fear. It says, but the angel of the Lord said to him, don't be, do not be afraid, Zechariah, because your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will name him John. That, isn't, isn't that interesting? Catch on to this for a second. Christmas by design. The angel says, your prayer has been heard, and now there is an answer. I'm, because of the description, well along in age, okay, you can say that someone's old, but it's another thing to go, all right, we're going to be polite about this. They are well along. Like, that's, that's when you're saying, we are way past baby years. Yesterday, we were visiting with a family, and the cutest little girl was bouncing on someone's lap, and someone looked at my wife and said, don't you want another one? And that's when I looked at her, and she looked at me, and I was like, in my mind, I was like, no, we are well along in years. That season has passed, right? Like, that's, that's where we're at right now. Well, as, as this is happening, I, I would even venture to say this. I'm going to say there's a high probability maybe they had stopped praying that prayer. I don't think the effects of the experience of maybe being looked down on had, had passed. I don't think the discouragement had totally left their life. But I would even say that maybe, maybe... They had given up before God was done with them. Man, and, and by design, isn't that awesome? To know that even when maybe we start to give up on some things, if, if it is God ordained and it is God's will and it's, and, and, and it's his purposes and plans he's up to, God's longevity and, and him sticking to his plan is way more faithful than us. Praise the Lord. It says, and you will name him John. There will be joy and delight for you, and many will rejoice in his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. Now, guess great in the sight of the Lord. John grows up to be a crazy-looking man. I mean, he lived out in the woods. This is John the Baptist. He was preaching hard, and he was preaching fast. And, man, he's, 
I mean, he spat when he talked. I mean, he just, he, he went after it. He ate some crazy stuff and all this stuff. I mean, it, this, guy was, this guy was out there. It says, and he will never drink wine or beer. And you may go, hang on a second, what, what, why, why can't the man drink alcohol? You know what I think? And this is just me. This is just Derek theology right now. This guy looks so crazy. Maybe God was just like, let's keep all alcohol away from him because he's going to be crazy enough on his own. We don't want him, anybody to blame him on alcohol. We want him to know that he's crazy for the Lord, right? Like that's, maybe that's it. I don't know. Okay, so he said he will be filled with the Holy Spirit while still in his mother's womb. He will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the disobedient to be to, to the understanding of the righteous, to make ready for the Lord a prepared people. Now, just kind of consider Zechariah for a moment. They've always wanted a baby. They're, they're far past this time in years, and all of a sudden, in a once-in-a-lifetime moment that's already probably big enough, an angel appears, and it's not just, you're going to have a baby, it's, you're going to have a baby that is purposed by God um, for a plan on this planet, and he is going to be a preacher of the word, and, and, and people are going to respond and be drawn to what the Lord's doing because of his ministry. Now, that's a lot. And, and, and we're going to talk about Mary in a moment, and, and that's a lot. But notice, we're going, we're going to look at his response, and, and we're going to not talk about it in length too much now. I'm going to come back to kind of both responses in a few minutes. But it's so important for us to go ahead and clue in right here. This is Zechariah's response. How can I know this? How can I know this? What Zechariah means is, show me something. Show me a sign. Like, I need, I need proof, right? Like, doubt is bigger than belief and trust by a mile right now. Now, it's a little humorous, right? Because we're reading the story from this side of history, okay? And in my mind, I'm going, show you a sign. Your name just got drawn out of the hat for a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. An angel shows up that freaks you out, then calms you down, is super specific about what's getting ready to happen. And you want another sign? Like, like what? Is there an... And I, you know, and I think that really shows not just Zechariah's heart, but it shows us ours. Typically... When, when, when we're struggling with belief and, and we want that sign, it's, it's not, when we're looking for evidence, one thing isn't going to be what satisfies us. Because as soon as we see that one thing, we're like, all right, now show me something else. Now show me something. Because really at the core what it is, is it's, it's unbelief. And also what's at the core is pride. It's, okay, I can't believe this. And when we say I can't believe it, then we've said already who's making all the decisions. I can't believe it, so it's, it's pride. Zechariah asked the angel, for I am an old man and my wife, you know, he said, I'm old, but my wife, let's just be polite, she's well along in years. The angel answered him, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. Now listen, you will become silent and unable to speak until the day these things take place. Why? Because... You did not believe my words. Now, is this a punishment? I don't know. I don't, I, I don't know. I know for sure. You know what it is? <laughs> a sign. <laughs> like, and that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't know if it's punishment or not. Because why, what do we know? He gets his voice back. 
Right, like so, it's and so I, I I don't know. Is this God working? Is this God saying, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna work. I'm gonna be intentional. It's gonna be heavy. I don't, I don't know. I can't I can't prove. I I don't know that's the reasoning, but I also know that God is patient. He didn't take his life, right? He didn't take his life, but he's unable to speak. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah, amazed that he stayed so long in the sanctuary. If you ever thought, like, man. Like how long have been people have people been wondering why is the preacher taking so long <laughs> since this amount of time? It's always been it's always been a question. Um, when did he come out? Well, um, when he did come out, he could not speak to them. Then they realized that he had seen a vision in the sanctuary. He was making signs to them and remained speechless. So it's it's kind of ironic, right? That 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 he was given a sign and then he was sent out and he had to do what? Make signs. And that's what he did. You know, I mean, I mean, think about it. I mean, is again, this is very. I'm not saying this isn't serious. These aren't big events, but come on, God clearly has a sense of humor, right? I mean, he he goes out and he's seen all this stuff and he can't verbalize it, and they're like, man, like they're at, like, dude, what is taking you so long? We're clearly all hungry. I mean, they're all preachers, so they're they're lining up for chicken way before anybody else, and and they're just like, we got to go, we got to make moves, and and what is taking you so long? And he's like. I mean, like, what's like, what's he doing? I don't know, but he's he's making signs, trying to convey like what happened inside that room, and 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 then they see this, okay. So as as they go, it says when the days of his ministry were complete, he went back home. Um, after these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived and kept herself in seclusion for five months. That's that's important. So if you got, if you're actually reading in a Bible or anything, you want to put a little mark there. Um, for, for uh, in seclusion for five months. What, why, why did she do it? I mean, why not just like tell the news? Um, if, if you are well along in years and then now all of a sudden you're pregnant, it's going to take a minute. It's going to take a minute to find out. It's going to take a minute to wrap your head around it. It's going to take a minute to process all the years that you were you wanted kids and, and, and you were the one that never had kids and, and, you, and you were still trying to interpret everything your husband was saying and writing down and, 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 and you need some time, okay? So, so five months, she... She was in seclusion, says, the Lord had done this for me, she said. He has looked with favor in these days to take away my disgrace among the people. Now, let's jump over to another story, Mary. Verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man named Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and the angel came to her and said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. But she was deeply troubled by this statement, wondering what kind of greeting this could be. Then the angel told her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now listen, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. Okay, let's, let's just set aside the whole issue of a virgin having a baby for a second, and, and let's talk about this. Now for the third time, twice with Mary, we've seen this phrase, favored, favored. Now, um, a gospel perspective on favor versus favoritism. We've talked about this here before. Um, God doesn't have favorites. So we play favorites with people, right? You're probably sitting beside somebody that you know of that you would say, yeah, it's them. They're the favorite in some kind of situation. It is them. Uh, everybody knows it. They may deny it, but they absolutely know it, okay? Then you might be yourself someone that goes, "I just all I know is I'm not the favorite. Clearly, evidence shows I'm not favored. Okay, God does not have favorites, but, but we do experience his favor. Okay, now, what does it mean to be favored by God? Well, 
in the terms that, that's revealed to Mary, number one, God's presence. The significance, the implications of, of, of experiencing God favor, God's favor is, um, number one, we, we, we experience the presence of God, and then we also experience being part of the plan of God. So when, when you think about being a Christian, if you're saved, you experience the favor of God. You've, you've experienced salvation. So you will experience his presence and you will be part of his plan. That's, I mean, that's significant. I mean, that's not just kind of an abstract, well, I'm not going to go to hell when I die. I mean, that is, I'm going to experience the presence of God in my life and forever, and I am part of his plan. That means I, there will be something, there has to be something that I'll need to be up to at some point strategically for him. It's just impossible that it wouldn't be that case. I can't just be casual about my faith and just how I live my life. There's got to be specifics. Continues on and says, um, the angel continues to speak to Mary. says, he will be great and will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom will never, um, will have no end. Mary asked the angel, okay, so we, we, we saw, hey, show me evidence now we're getting ready to see Mary's response. And, and, and just FYI, this one is received, it seems, more favorably. Mary answers, how can this be since I have not had sexual relations with a man? You know what I call that? Fair question. Based on the methodology that my wife and I have used to have children, that's a pretty pertinent question. Like I can, I mean, I can, I can read that and go, yeah, I see exactly where you got that one from. Good job. You didn't even have to do biology with Mr. Medley like I did to be able to know the answer to that. Okay? Like you, I mean, you just, that's the question. So let's think about what her question really is rooted in. I don't understand. She didn't ask for evidence, but you know what she did ask for? An explanation. There's no sin in not understanding. Feeling lost in that moment isn't a sign of weakness. It's, it's, it's an opportunity to, to acknowledge our own our humility. The angel responds. He said, see, I am the Lord's... I mean, I'm sorry, this is still Mary. See, um, I am the Lord's servant, said Mary. No, I'm, I, I just skipped down. I'm sorry. Let me back up. 35, verse 35. The angel replied to her, the Holy Spirit will... Come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And consider your relative Elizabeth. Even she has conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month of her who was called childless. For nothing will be impossible with God. Um, so here's, here's what the angel does in the matter of Mary asking for an explanation. Number one, he explains Okay, you're right, you haven't had this sexual relationship, so your conception is going to be very different. Now, um, is this enough to let us know exactly how it happened? No. But if you read this, you know what this sounds eerily similar to? Genesis 1. When it talks about God the Father who is powerful and reigns over all and the Holy Spirit that was moving and around on the earth, and then there was the spoken word of just let there be, fill in the blank, and it was if we can kind of grasp the kind of creative work that happened in Genesis, it wasn't mountains and oceans. It was a small little embryo that was both God and flesh. And what's the significance there? 
because God is the Father, Jesus wasn't born with a sin nature. In other words, he wasn't born with pre-existing guilt and condition that he needed forgiveness for. So from day one, Jesus was set up to be able to live the life that could, could give its, he could give his life for my sin and yours. From the very moment of conception, this is the plan of God. It, it, it's not how God had to do it. He could have dropped a king straight on the throne and just made everybody obey. But he started, he started with, a, with a plan that looked humble, but that plan was ready. And, and, and life was set on the correct course right from the beginning. Not only that, but notice what the angel says that references the time that he's there. Gives, gives Mary a little confidence boost. Hey, listen, um, you, you know, Elizabeth, it's month six. So Mary, in the last 30 days, 31 days, had probably heard the news. Elizabeth is pregnant. Can you believe it? Because I promise you, when, once they announced that baby, once they did that reveal, news traveled fast. News traveled real fast. Okay? And can I just say this? I'm so glad that I did not have my children in the years of social media with baby gender reveals. Because I'm just telling you, I would have gone up and I would have like tried to swing at the ball, kick the ball, to win it, and I would have been stressed out. And if I had missed, y'all would have seen me snap on camera, on, on social media. I am so glad that we were just like, hey, yeah, it was just written on a card. That's all we had to, all we had to reveal. Just bless you that are still going to be doing reveals. I pray for you every day. Um, this is um, the response of Mary after the angel talks to her. It says, see, I am the Lord's servant, said Mary. May it happen to me as you have said. That... She still didn't fully understand it, right? She, she still had a lot of wonder, a lot of question. But there was enough to begin trusting with, okay? So um, I, 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 wanna, I, I want us to just kind of take note of this real, real specifically because this is such a crucial part of this message. Um, main point being this. For us, when we are, when we are in, a, in a place in life to where the news is big, the, the, the confusion is great, the need for grace that we've been talking about is immense. We, we, we are struggling with whatever it is. Um, for us as believers that want to follow Jesus, what, what is the safest ground that we can walk on? Um, I, I believe it is this, to seek explanation over evidence. To seek explanation over evidence. And, and I think so for, for a really big reason, this is why this is so important. Because seeking an explanation from God is anchored in humility. Seeking an, a, an answer from God is really anchored in humility. It's, it's saying, Lord, I don't, I don't have all the answers myself. I can't just explore and figure it out on my own. Lord, I need you. And, and what have we just talked about? Um, in our series on grace, we just looked at it last week, that God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. So, so if, if I'm seeking understanding, I'm much more likely to receive and experience the grace, the beginning grace of God in my life. But if I'm seeking evidence, seeking evidence from God is anchored in pride. It's, saying, it's, it's the attitude that says, I, I don't believe. And, and we've put ourselves at the top where something has to be proven to us. And if something has to be proven to me, I'm automatically at a place to where I'm going to have a harder time just trusting and doing what they ultimately need to do to, to, to submit. To submit. Now, um, we're going to look in further weeks about the birth of Jesus, and in fact, um, next week, it, um, we're, we're going to see the kids tell the story, and then we're, we're, we're going to have a short time in our service where we're going to look at God's Word, and, and it will just, I, I, really, I really think, when, when we just take a minute to look at 
um, all of the things that God does in just a story that's shared next week. Um, and we're going to look at about three specific ones. And just, I mean, it, it's going to just magno. It's going to be like looking th- at, the, at the Christmas story through a lens we've never used before. Um, because it's just, it's amazing how specific God does his design in this story. Because we're going to stick with Mary, we're going to see her come up in later weeks. Um, I, I do want to revisit Zechariah for a second because I don't want to leave him in your minds where it's like, all right, buddy, you look for evidence. You didn't do this thing right. Um, you, you must just kind of be a cast off. I, 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 wanna, I want you to see, even, um, even in those moments, the grace of God that says, I'm going to continue to come after you. I do want you to be part of my plan. I do want you to experience my presence. And how he, over, over months, over, and remember this is over months, it's a pregnancy, really worked in Zechariah's heart, and, and you're going to see evidence of a restored relationship. But there's, but there's really good characteristics here that, that I think we can take in. It says, verse 57, um, Now the time had come for Elizabeth to give birth, and she had a son. Then her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her his great mercy, and they rejoiced with her. When they came to circumcise the child on the eighth day, they were going to name him Zechariah after his father. But his mother responded, no, he will be called John. Verse 61, then they said to her, none of your relatives has that name. So they motioned to his father to find out what he wanted to be, what he wanted him to be called. He asked for a writing tablet and wrote, his name will be John. And they were all amazed immediately. His mouth was open and his tongue set free, and he began to speak, praising God. Fear came on all those who lived around him. Now, that's not just being afraid. That's an, that's an awe-inspired fear, like a, like a, a, a jaw drop, I've got to take in what's happening kind of reverence. It says, fear came on all those who lived around him, and all these things were being talked about throughout the hill country of Judea. All who heard him took it to heart, saying, what then? Will this child become for indeed the Lord's hand was with him so think about Zechariah nine months have passed and and in his mind God's really in his heart God's begun to do this work and and this seems maybe not so significant because it's after all it's just it's just the naming of the baby right but but that's not at all it. I mean, to, to name a child in this culture, there were certain assumptions. The firstborn um, was going to take um, the father's name, um, that you were going to name family names. You were going to keep certain names within the lineage of your family. There, there, were, there were expectations on you, right? And, 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 and think about it. I mean, this is a couple who, who were victim of expectations because the expectation was if, if you were just reasonably favored by God, you were going to have kids, you were going to start a family. That family was going to grow immensely. And, 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 she, and, and this couple struggled with the expectations socially for years and years and years of their life. And then God broke into their story. And, and, and really what they, they had the opportunity to do was um, to, to, to walk through the struggle that is this. For, for so many of us, um, we will struggle with our part of the story, our part of the story. When in fact, what God is doing is so much bigger than just our little piece of the puzzle. We, 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 we get so frustrated when, when certain things happen to us, but, but really God is up to redeeming lives in us and all around us. 
But, but the struggle, yes, it is real. That's what we're involved in. But, but for, for a moment, in, in, in a very symbolic way, Zechariah and, and Elizabeth were able to step out of that. Zechariah still not talking, still not knowing when, when would his speech come back. But he just had a moment to take a writing tablet and write out on it in agreement with God's will. And as he turned it around, I, I, I mean, it, 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 was, it was a proud statement. His name will be John because, because that was his way of saying, I'm in, agree, I'm in agreement with the Lord. I'm in agreement with what he's doing. And, and, and this is the last statement I want to give you today. Um, living in agreement with God is a critical step towards our restoration. Living in agreement with God is a critical step towards our restoration. See, see in many ways, pride will fight just saying, okay, God, yes, your will, not mine. And, and there are tangible ways, there are tangible ways that we finally have to come to a place to go, okay, God, I could ask for evidence and evidence and evidence, and that is all about me. God, if this is what you're up to, help me understand. Like, that, that's, that's such a critical thing for us. Because his presence, his presence, and, and being part of his plan is something that we will experience. We will all experience those opportunities. But we'll need to be in agreement with what he's doing and how he wants us to, to live that out if we're really going to experience a close relationship restored with him. For some of us, it's saying, okay, God, I'm going I'm to confess this sin to someone to get help. For some of us, it's saying, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to acknowledge the times that I haven't followed through on my commitments to you and to the people that I love, and, and I'm going I'm gonna, I'm gonna to ask for humble help to be able to figure out how to do this and actually follow through with this. God, I'm gonna, we're, we're, we're going to be again counseling right now. We're going we're gonna to join this community group and surround ourselves with a faith community that, that is so much healthier than, than, the, than the community that we've chased so far in life. There, there's, there's so many different ways that all of us could apply this, but, but the, the big truth, the mountain of truth exists. The mountain of truth that exists. And, and, and our opportunity is going to be God's truth, it will be the mountain. Will we acknowledge the mountain? Will we be in agreement with it? Because in this one way, Zechariah basically had to say this. Listen, I, I can't give him my name because I now understand by explanation that he's not really mine. He belongs to the Lord. So I'm going to give him the name that the Lord gave him, John. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do everything I can from the very beginning to show him that, that he can be on the course that God wants him to be on. I don't know what the design of your life is on that specific level right now. But I know the truth of God's word is so, so true and so firm that he will no doubt show you how to apply this. I'd love to hear about it. I love for us to talk about it. But the greatest thing we can do is to be in agreement with it. Would you mind bowing your heads for just a second as we just think together at, at home as well? Christmas by design. Um, it, it seems almost like, yeah, Luke, you should have set this up this way. Because the Christmas story is in itself seemingly unbelievable. There are so many things that defy all that we know and all that we could predict that happen over a couple of chapters in this gospel with the name of its author on it, Luke. 
And so if things are so unbelievable and so improbable, I want us, I want us to start a journey assuming not chance, but design. The same kind of design that you see when you look outside at nature, I want us to assume there's that kind of design in this Christmas story. And if there's that kind of design in this Christmas story, what does it mean? That, that, that the struggle of life will exist for us at times. Our need for grace will be real. And, and God is presenting to us, even in extreme circumstances, if we can, if we can attempt, at least, if we can just attempt to, to seek understanding, to seek explanation over evidence, then, then our heart will be at one more humble step closer to the Lord to be able to receive his grace. And, and, and my prayer for you and my desire for you is, is as much as it is for myself that you do receive and live in the grace that God can give you. But I have no doubt that at this moment, in this room, and, 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 and watching on video, there are circumstances that, that easily we could need more evidence to say, God, please show me what you're doing. Show me if you're doing something. My prayer right now is, is that God really just pours into your heart explanation so that you'll know more, and I'll know more, how to be in agreement with that. God, thank you for the moments and the times that we've had in this service. Lord, thank you that we get to gather together as a body of believers. But Lord, the circumstances of life in this room and online are varied, um, and, and, and they're real, and they're serious. So God, thank you that you, you show us Lord, that you are patient with us and, and that you do, you do realize that your plan and your thoughts are so much far above ours. And, and in that gap, Lord, you, you know that we'll have frustrations and we'll have insecurities and, and we will have struggles. Uh, but Lord, you, you invite us to seek and to know more. So God, that's what we're here to do this morning. And, and just that, that process takes the trust, Lord, to admit and acknowledge that you know more than what we know and you have a purpose higher than what we could imagine. So God, I pray that you speak into the lives of those that are listening right now, God, in such an intimate, real way. And Lord, as we begin this journey together, we'll really see the design for our lives unfolded in front of us over these weeks. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Would you stand up to your feet as... Dale and the praise team come back up and lead. If you'd like to pray over anything this morning, if you'd like to talk about a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, um, we'll be up here up front to pray with you if you'd like as we sing together.